0: The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes One Double Feature.
1: listen up shitheads this is two dudes one double feature where a couple of guys talk about a couple of movies and that's all you need to know alright now listen you sit there and you enjoy this show featuring me dude one Tom Cody and that guy over there dude two I don't know his name but I'm getting paid ten thousand dollars to be here anyway so I don't care so how you doing (laughs) wow answer the question all right, or I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Walk down the right back alley and do dudes one double feature. Um, You'll find uh, way too much. Uh, uh, I'm doing t-
0: <laughs> two stairs in Power's booth.
1: A <laughs> pumpy full of lead, and no one, blat- no one will pat an eye. You'll fall down like a pick of cards. I I ain't going around with no skirt in my car As in the actual article of clothing Not a derogatory term for uh, a woman Actually no, if there was a skirt in my car I would still drive
0: Hi Um (laughs)
1: I was planning that this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had something
0: uh, uh, that clever. Uh, I don't. Well, you.
1: Well, you, you. You. usually have something, but you know, every now and then, I'm like, eh, I'll do something.
0: Yeah, you got. You got to. You know, when one of us falls down; the other one's got to. You know, pick up. Uh, pick up the slack.
1: It's not even a fall down. It's just you know, it's just, it's one person's turn and then it's the other person's turn. Sure. Um. Oh, I got a sure on that one. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> he stares at Joey. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to two dudes, one Dolphy trap dude, one Richard. He's Dude to Joe. Um, we're we're on we're on the edge right now. We're more on the edge than we've ever been. I think. Uh, yeah, with this show. This is pretty bad. But, um. <laughs> So it, we'll we'll make an announcement of it, but it should be Saturday by the time this is up because I know we're probably going to be a little delayed, but we'll we'll try our best to get this out to you as asap. Yeah. Um. But before we get into today's episode, which if you couldn't tell is very hard boiled, like you know a good egg. Um. Do to Joe, how you doing?
0: I'm all right. Um. You feeling hard boiled? No, just um,
1: can you can you do your thing like as if you were hard boiled. <laughs> this is afraid of me. I've seen no time. wrong. <laughs> you know what? If it listen, if it wasn't for one of our movies, I feel like that one wouldn't have existed. I'm throwing that out there. I I, I would agree with
0: that sentiment. Um, I so you're not you're
1: not in the wrong ballpark, I think, at all.
0: No, I I feel like in another universe too, we, we would have paired that with Watchmen,
1: probably. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I'm okay. Uh, just there's not not really a lot going on. Um,
1: it's September. You know, it, it's kind of yeah, middle of the road.
0: It is it is middle middle of the road. The weather has been fantastic it's just nice when it's not like when you're not hard-boiled and you're just like <laughs>
1: when you're not physically hard-boiled
0: it's like it's a nice and there's a little breeze but it's not like piercing cold it's like you know we're, we're day before like you know fall basically we're recording this yeah uh you know i love fall it's my favorite by far my favorite season you know so many things football is back Pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin pie. <laughs> Halloween, the best holiday. I, I like how
1: I like how it took three things before you got to Halloween. <laughs> Two separate pumpkin related things. I mean football I get because you're a big football guy, but I would have just been like Halloween and then all that stuff. But that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's so, two kinds of dudes. <laughs>
0: there, there are two kinds of dudes. This is very true. Yes. Um so yeah, and so, soon later this month I'll probably change my letterbox for to something spooky. Um but yeah, I mean what what have I I'm trying to think of things that I've watched like oh, I watched The Haunting in Venice. I did see that in Venice. You know. I liked it quite a bit. I think you will too once you see it.
1: I'm I'm just happy that the cast doesn't make me have a stomach ache, at least as far as I know.
0: It's like every day the death of the <laughs> Nile cast it just gets... gets worse. Oh,
2: <laughs>
1: but I liked I liked the one tweet someone said not to continue on it, but someone's like, "Uh, <laughs> this year get them to the Greek fans have it really rough." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like, "Damn!" Oof um but other than that it's uh, you know it, that was a good movie though like it was well i thought it was well shot uh it was very like unsettling and claustrophobic uh it was also just really funny because I, I saw it in dolby with my mom and my brother and she my mom was like are you kidding me right now because it's so <laughs> la- like obnoxiously loud <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh poor yeah you know, i'm sorry patty
0: uh, she she got through it, but she was just like, I can't understand Kenneth Brown in this movie. <laughs> I'm like, once we get it, we'll we'll put on the subtitles and you'll be able to under you'll be able like, to understand him.
2: Oh,
1: okay. oh All right. I couldn't hear him through his mustache.
0: hmm Um but uh and then the Criterion just announced their new disc, so I'm very excited about that. Pinocchio's getting a 4K um nice. excited to revisit that and then red balloon and a bunch of other short films uh, made by the same filmmaker whose name escapes me at the moment are getting a blu-ray which is nice because i watched red balloon for the first time a couple months ago really charming um film i definitely recommend uh everybody check that one out uh i think it's on criterion probably on criterion channel that's, yeah that's where i checked it out you might be mm-hmm. able to check it out on max but other than that uh that's about it how are you
1: you know, I I'm I'm feeling kind of I I you know, I don't I don't adult often admittedly as much as I probably should adult as as one would say. But within within the course of like 2 days, I've done my laundry, I made my bed, I went and got my license renewed which I completely forgot about, but thankfully it was in within the time frame that I wouldn't have to like retake all the tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I got my oil changed. I'm like I I rearranged like shelving in my room and I'm like I I feel like I it's I, I feel like I did something. You know? <laughs> you know? You, you're just like, oh. "Oh. this is nice. Now it's going to get messed up again later, but it felt nice." Um so, but I and uh what was funny is like cuz I spent probably hundred twenty-five dollars just to get every like a lot of the stuff for my car done um, and then I was seeing how much I had in tips and I basically paid it off with tip money That's so, great. so <laughs> thanks to uh, all my regulars which get I've been, see- I've been it helps I've, I've been seeing a lot of my regulars lately and they're always nice to, it's always nice to see them um, you know I have this one guy who who comes in every so often at work and yeah you know, he's not he's he's cool to all the bartenders honestly that work and uh you know whenever he comes in he'll tip him 5 bucks and then he'll go and so it's like whenever he shows up it's like ooh but then he's like he's also nice to talk to so um and uh it's uh some regulars that I had from way before like this current era of my job uh had come in and I I rarely see them but it's it's always nice to see them I'm like oh hey so yeah, it's weird to have regulars, but it's cool to have regulars at the same time. Not even just from like a tipping standpoint; it's just it's nice to see a friendly face. It's, it, yeah. it is
0: nice to see familiar faces. Admittedly, like I know that with my job, like I, I was I transferred buildings basically, and because I've transferred all over the place. I see people I know at where basically like, wherever oh, I go. Oh,
1: thank you for still existing. <laughs> it's like,
0: oh man, I like the other places, I was at, but it's nice that I know these people and I see new people.
1: It's so nice. Yeah. <gasps> um so that was uh, so again, thank you to the tippers for allowing me to take care of my car. Um and for allowing me to still legally drive it uh so now i have the paper and i've just got to wait till uh you know it comes in the mail because that's how they do it yeah. um outside of that um you know what i do want to talk about cause I, I i don't have a tiktok whatsoever right neither do i but but periodically like tiktoks will show up or i'll hear i'll hear about tick because i work with a lot of like 20 somethings or like or young younger people like I, I i uh one of my managers what did she ask me uh skylar hi skylar i don't think she's listening to this uh, <laughs> but she asked me if i ever think about the roman empire and i'm like and i'm like <clears throat> i know this Cause I saw it on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> she, and then they're like, "No, it's not. It wasn't a TikTok." I'm like, "It so is. Don't gaslight me." Um, <laughs> another, another
0: like, um, uh, online. Like, I mean, it's a term that exists, but like, yeah. it's a very <laughs> online term now.
1: It, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, so for once, I caught something. But uh, case in point, I don't have a TikTok, but it, periodically, because like I had, because basically YouTube has their own version of it, like YouTube Shorts and. Instagram has their stories so that you can upload, like, TikToks onto there. So there's a few people I follow that got big on TikTok, but I don't have one personally. But there was one TikTok that's been going around, and I know you saw it because you saw my tweet about it. I want to talk about it because I think it's, like, a really cool example of, like, even though it's a real situation that these kids were in, but, like, it's, it's like, a great example of, like, being able to tell a story in like a medium without like all the like tricks and stuff, but like still being like somewhat actually compelling. Um, so it's this little it's these three kids. This this main kid, the main character. Um <laughs> um, she's probably like I wanna say 13, if I had to guess she's probably teenager. And she has these three little sisters, and she's like checking her makeup and she's got acne, and so she's like gonna put some uh acne wipe or cream on it or something. And one of her little sisters comes in and is like, can I borrow the scissors? And she's like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you need them for? She's like, oh, I just need the scissors. Like, well, okay, make sure you don't, you know, do anything stupid. And um, little kid runs off. So she continues to talk to her TikTok and, like, talks about the makeup thing. And then you just hear, like, this loud scream and you're like what is
2: happening <laughs> what is going on and
1: the but two of her sisters run into a room and sh- the other sister like cut off a whole chunk of her hair <laughs> and she's like oh picture day's tomorrow picture day's tomorrow so now we have a conflict <laughs> and to make it worse mom's around the corner and if mom hears you're messing things up before picture day, whoa, boy, howdy, are you going to be in trouble? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so the whole TikTok is just the older sister trying to figure out a way to fix the, the hair because I guess she wanted bangs, like, just to have bangs for just, I don't know, just for picture day or just in general. Right. And um, so, like, periodically the mom will show up and they'll be like, what's going on here? And they'll just duck hide the, the sister the sister like, Nothing! It's all good. <laughs> What's going wrong? <laughs> and like, I'm sitting there. I'm literally watching this whole TikTok, um, which is probably like a minute and a half, two minutes long, maybe. And I'm sitting in the parking lot because I went to Best Buy before I had to go to work, like 30 minutes before I have to go to work. And it's the, t- the clock is ticking, but I'm so invested in this. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the parking lot uh, of Best Buy getting ready to go to work. And I'm like, oh god, am I gonna be late? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but like, I'm just enjoying this. this is, like, I need to know what happens. Right. So like, they fix the bangs, and um, it looks good. Like, she's cute. She looks cute. She's this cute little kid. It works out. Um, she kind of like they they say they sh- that she looked like like Hermione from like the first Harry Potter. Yeah. she was like really like, and I'm like, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then like the mom. Comes in and they're like trying to hide her again. Then they're like, All right, fine, we'll show you, we'll show you. They show her, and like, Yeah, the little kid looks cute. Like, picture day could be good, it could be good. Then the mom's like, What's going on here? What is this? <laughs> what are you doing? She sees like the little pile of hair, <laughs> and then like everyone starts blaming each other. <laughs> One of the funniest bits is this little a little one of the like the littlest sister of the four sisters runs in. She's like, Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> and then she's like, If I'll give you a cookie if you don't tell, and then she doesn't tell. <laughs> so it's it's just really it's just really entertaining. And uh you know, it's 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 gone viral. And so um That's pretty cool. And it's just, it's, it's a cool, like little example of even again, even if it's like a realistic scenario, it's still so interesting. Yeah. And it's like, it tells a full story A to B or A to Z and you're, you're getting the full context and you know, you got, you got your setting, you got your conflict, you got your main characters, um, you got your protagonists and your antagonists, the kids and mom, (laughs) um, and it's just, it's just really, it was just really entertaining. And there was someone, there was, I guess, there was a rumor going around that it was staged. And people were like, "Listen, if it's staged, that makes it that much better." Yeah, they're just great performers. Then
0: it was, that was excellent blocking. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
1: they hit their marks perfectly. It, like, it'll be, like
0: it'll be in the National Film Registry in like twenty years,
1: <laughs> at the very least, in twenty years. Um, there was like a follow-up apparently oh, oh yeah. sorry go ahead no
0: no no no, uh, no no. I, I forgot what i was gonna
1: say um there was follow-up they did go to picture day the pictures turned out fantastic with the bangs and um it all it all worked out thankfully oh that's good so so it was a nice happy ending um but yeah i just i i i, I, I again i don't have a tiktok so i don't like get invested in it necessarily but um, every now and then something pops up and yeah, you, know, you got you got to give props where you can give props. Yeah. And, you know, for for being this like stat static shot uh of just these three kids going through a whole thing. It's like someone called it the Little Women of 2023 and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's come on and one of them look, ended up looking like Emma Watson so <laughs> so it worked out so that was that was uh that was a whole day and i was not late to work thankfully
0: well that's good yeah yeah
1: so don't let entertainment make you late for work but <laughs> um no so that was just something that was fun that i watched recently um and I, and I figured it'd be a nice change of pace to talk about that than like oh you know this new movie i got today or oh you know this this movie i saw or like what we normally talk about
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know? Cause listen, one of the cool things, one of the absolute positives about like modern technology and social media is that it gives new avenues for for genuinely great storytelling. Yeah. And so I, I do I do think that's one of the cooler things is that people can just make things that might not seem cinematic outright, but then when you when you're watching it and you're invested in it, you're like, All right. I think I think that counts. Yep. So you know and again, like I'm not saying like I'm not making a claim that it was staged or anything, but um it was compelling and yes. uh I'm glad it went viral and I'm glad that Picture Day worked out for them kids. And Absolutely. the bangs were great. So but speaking of cinema and cinematic nature, um we have a, a pretty exciting double feature, especially with this first one, I think, because this is a movie that, um, let's just say, rocked our worlds.
0: <sighs> this, is a, this is a future two dudes Hall of Fame movie, honestly. Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah. Joey, or as Joey said while we were watching it, this is your Flash Gordon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah, kind of. I, I honestly, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, uh, due to Joe, what is our first feature today? And can you do it like Tom Cody?
0: Yeah, sure. I'll be waiting for you as I do it. This movie, you gotta pay me $10,000 first. You want me to say the name of the movie, shithead. Otherwise, I'll be taking the money.
1: I thought you were better than this.
0: Listen, if you need anything, need something, let me know. This is Streets of Fire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Thank you, thank you. That was good. That was good.
0: Uh, this, I mean, I feel like this. We'll talk about it more in a second. But this episode, like, feels like it's changed a little, obviously because of different circumstances, which we'll talk about in a second. Oh,
1: but. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it's changed quite a bit,
0: quite a bit. But uh, you had seen this. You you picked the the, the, the was a shout factory shouts like four K uh mm-hmm. recently and you were you were saying the praises of this movie um I was curious about it um and then the other night we watched it I had to watch it on voodoo but I oh, but after watching it I, I immediately ordered the 4k as um, you should yes you know
1: as and... everyone should
0: <laughs> I think like one of the things this movie is just like the tagline or one of like the subtitle, like it's described as like a rock and roll fable a rock and roll fantasy it's so good. It's yeah that that's that's <laughs> that's this movie. Um I, I also love movies like this where there's there's no specific like time or place. It's like watching the Wolfman where it's mm-hmm. just like okay they're dressed like they're in the 40s but then you have like these like these like, um you know R- Romani uh like carts out there and you're like <laughs> what is going on? What is this?
1: It's it's like you know these characters. They 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 look like they live both in the 80s or like in like the 50s 60s. It's kind of like like the first Batman movie and how that mixed like 1940s and the 1980s a little bit like the yes. 80s style. Yeah, yeah. And so I always it it definitely sets itself as like a fictional place, the place that they live. Um, I forget the, the I know there's a name for it, but I think it's like something kind of basic from what I remember.
0: Do you have it? It says in Richmond, a city district in a time period that resembles the fifties, labeled "Another Time, Another Place."
1: All right, I, um, I think I think that's right. Um, yeah, but, but it's yeah. No, sorry, it's um basically it's like this this most of the time it takes place in like this back alley area that's got like a diner and it's got a bar that's that Bill Paxton works at um, <laughs> and. Uh, it's uh, basically, it's like Joey said, it was like a, it's like a combination of these two separate eras, but it leans heavily from the 80s standpoint as far, or even like the, I mean, even the, it's mixed in the fifties, even with like the I, rock I think, and roll aspect of it. Yeah.
0: The, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, when they meet, when they meet the, um, the, the quartet, I think it's a quartet. Is the a quartet, Sorrel, the Sorrells, the Sorrells. Yeah. When they read them, it's very, it's very fifties. Um, mm-hmm. and they, like and I love that where it's just like it is very 80s but it has that that 50s like it has it's that like, 50s vibe too but
1: like, it's like the combination of uh the Sorrells and then like Ellen Aim played by Diane Lane who's very very 80s yeah like and she's like a she's like a she's like a like a like a pop rock like Joan Jett sort of thing with a, a less less grunginess I guess
0: yeah it's um, it's pretty fun, and Diane Lane's hair is which pretty wild. It's uh, great. It's it was, great. Uh,
1: welcome back to the show, Diane Lane, for the <laughs> for the third time now, or four? Is it three, or has it been more than three? S- um, Snyder Spider-cut. Cut. Uh, this movie, Little uh, stri- the outsiders. no, no, Outsiders, yeah.
0: Because you're thinking of Rick Moranis.
1: I thought, well, Rick Moranis is also returning to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: I mean, I I just love this movie. This movie because it does have like that those vibes, but it also does feel like a comic book, um, mm-hmm. very much. And like I just I, like the opening shot where you see the neon lights reflected in the puddle. I'm like, this is a great. This is already you got me, movie. You, you, me. Mean,
1: you immediately are like, all right, nothing else is happening today.
0: All right, this is keep great. going. Um, <laughs> keep going. Be, like the plot is very is very like the basic story. You know. Obviously, we talk about Ellen Aime. She's a big, big rock, you know, rock star, uh, lady. She's managed by, uh, Billy Fish. Rick Billy Ryan. Fish.
1: Good old, uh, the, can we just say the names in this movie are just great, too? <laughs> like, like, you have Ellen Aime, which sounds like such a great rock star name. I don't even it, think, like, even if it's her real name, it's great. Um, Billy Fish. Uh, there's McCoy. I don't even remember if they mentioned her first name, but it's just McCoy. <laughs> Frickin' Raven Shattuck <laughs> is Willem Dafoe. Yo, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ra- Raven Shattuck. Riva is the sister to to Tom Cody. Tom Cody, the ba- like such an action hero name, like Tom Cody. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like a like apparently a working title name for this movie before it was Streets of Fire, named after the. I think it was named after the Bruce Springsteen song. But um. I don't, know if, I don't know if maybe it was just a coincidental thing. But um, initially it was going to be called The Adventures of Tom Cody.
0: Yeah, it did come out. Um, the title came from a song written and recorded by Bruce Springsteen on his 1978 album, Darkness on the Edge of Town. There you, um, go. you know, And apparently the lighting for the concert scenes was done by Mark Brickman, who also lit concert for Springsteen and Pink Floyd.
1: So, there could, so there's probably some... Yeah. Some but she is kid she is
0: kidnapped by Raven. Ellen is kidnapped by Raven and Billy Fish pays is going to pay $10,000 to Tom Cody. Uh
1: Michael Perry who, who, who is uh Michael Perry plays Tom Cody who's the old flame of uh you got to say it like that for this it's not like ex. It's not, you know, former partner. It's literally uh old flame. The old flame. The old flame. It's my of Ellen old flame. Aime. Tom Cody. There you go. That could have been a great title as well. The old flame of Ellen Aim. And
0: basically, you know, trying to get her and then just the misadventures going through the streets <laughs> of fire, like the, the vibes in this. But here's the thing. Like you were, it, this was the one of the funniest things in the movie for me. You were like, okay, you're not ready for how action figure this guy is. You're not. <laughs> but on some level, I agree with that. Like the voice, because he's like John Wayne meets Sylvester Stallone. He's sure, very like. I'll be waiting for you. Yeah,
1: and it was funny because I was watching the some of the special features for this one before we were well, like the uh, after we watched the movie, and Michael Pere was being interviewed. and He was talking normally, and he has like a normal like kind of accent, so he wasn't putting anything on, but with the, the tough guy aspect that he was putting on, it made it sound that much more, like, Stallone-ish. So, like, he doesn't go, like, eh, you know, like he doesn't, like, you know, go full it, but he definitely, he talks like this. I'm Tom Cody. Listen, but just, shithead. <laughs> but he also just
0: looks like a guy who would work in an office who just happens to be an action hero. <laughs> he
1: looks like, he looks like, the th- not like the main Amicrobian Fitch model but like maybe number three he's, in a- <laughs> he's like he's not the one like when you walk past the store he's not on like the windows but like you walk in he's probably by the jeans somewhere but he's, st- but he's still
0: so cool <laughs> he
1: is he is just,
0: like and like every like line the line, every line delivery almost every line delivery I was giggling at, it was great <laughs> Um I, I also want to mention, too, neither one of us had ever seen a Walter Hill film before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had seen bits and pieces of The Warriors, which is sort of a beloved sort of cult movie.
1: That's like, I feel like outside of him sort of, from what I understand, revitalizing like modern Westerns, or like neo-Westerns or whatever. Um, I think the one thing I typically hear as far as Walter Hill's concerned is about The Warriors, I think. That are like forty eight hours. I think those are probably the two I hear most about. Well,
0: that's like on the top ta- I was watching the trailer for this for uh, Streets of Fire a lot, and they said from the creators of Forty Eight Hours, a Walter Hill film, Streets of Fire.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: but I just lo- I love the aesthetics. Like it, it's just, it's like you have the neon, the dripping, in the neon lights. Uh, when they're in like the um the facility, like trying to get Ellen Aim. And just mm-hmm. like the way it looked, you were saying it looked like a like a Batman, like a setback, <laughs> like something. <they're> Batman.
1: <laughs> Listen, uh, just just Batman for me is the gift that keeps on giving because, like, when I was a kid and I first watched Batman, that's that was sort of like the gateway to everything. It's the gateway to like comics, gateway to movies, um, and you know, my whole life somehow Batman has been the starting point because Batman is a character not not to make this all about Batman but Batman though granted the Batman episodes we've made sometimes aren't all about Batman but <laughs> there is some heavy truth to that um but uh like Batman's been very lucky to have a lot of like incredibly talented people attached to uh him and his works and in, in both comics and in film and so typically a lot of the stuff that I end up loving you could probably root it back to have some involvement with Batman so like um funny enough uh another huge Batman fan Patrick Willems that we're both huge fans of on YouTube he had done a video I I think it was about uh the Joel Schumacher Batman movies um or it or it was one I I think it was specifically that and he was talking about possibly other people who could have made a great batman movie and he brought up walter hill and he used streets of fire as an example of of like it's like you look at streets of fire um and you're like oh yeah i could definitely see him do like a batman movie because there's so much there's so much about it that you're like this could be goth this could be like like a a borough of gotham city this whole area that tom cody lives in or something um because it's just it has that sort of comic book aesthetic that's so beautiful. And, uh, so I remember seeing a listing on Best Buy that, that a 4k was coming out. And that's when I was like, okay, I think that if I remember correctly, this was a, this was one of the movies that Patrick Williams was talking about in his, in one of his Batman videos. Uh, this would be a good time to watch it. And the cover looks great. Like it's very, it's very much like a graphic artist piece it uh, looks like some, like a comic book cover in many respects like an old school comic book cover. Um not like the like the old DVD one that looks like a rejected Fast and Furious movie. Don't don't look at that one. That, that's like the, the voodoo thumbnail. Yeah, don't look at that one. Look at like the the actual like poster. Look at our thumbnail. I used it for that. If you go to my
0: letterbox, I love the poster that I use for a letterbox. That is, that that is
1: a solid poster. It, it puts it puts Tom Cody front and center where he where he deserves to be. It's like listen, it's
2: so cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but um, but I picked it up, and my parents were on vacation, so I was literally I didn't really have time to watch it. So like, I ended up watching it at like three thirty in the morning, uh, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, maybe I'll watch a little bit of it, and then I'll go to bed. But as I'm watching it, I'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) this oh my god oh my god and i'm like joey we have to watch you you have to see this movie like it's it's insane in the best possible way like it's it's stunning it's the music's amazing it's action-packed freaking tom cody um for me like like what's funny too is like uh like as much as tom cody's dialogue is so great and like his deliveries are so great i also love rick moranis playing a tough guy
2: (laughs) yes oh my
0: god like his some of his like line delivery is like is like a goofy humphrey bogart sometimes
2: (laughs) he's
1: he is like listen both Tom Cody and Rick Barretto's characters, Billy Fish and Tom, uh, or Michael Perret, pardon me. Both Tom Cody and Billy Fish are absolute assholes, <laughs> absolute shitheads. Um, which I, which there's a, there's a line that was just really funny in the movie where he calls uh, Billy Fish a shithead. And he goes, "Don't call me a shithead." <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 almost like Billy Fish, like uh, like not to stereotype, but like maybe he was cuz maybe he was like maybe like on the nerdier side a bit meek until he got picked on a lot but then just got to a point in his life where he's like no i'm not going to let anyone try to put me down or bully me and so now he fights back but he fights back just as hard it makes him an asshole as well and so i think cuz they were talking about that um on the uh on the bonus features as well that rick moranis kind of like playing that character evokes that sort of vibe and i'm like i could definitely see that but it's just so funny, because, like, if you, listen, if you've seen any Rick Moranis movie, very rarely, like, because he, he usually plays, like, you know, unfortunately, like, the dorky guy. Yes. Yeah, you know, like, Ghostbusters, he was the dorky guy. Um, in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, he's a dorky guy. Um, you know, the list the list goes on, really. And he, I mean, and that's not to say he's not, like, good at it, or he doesn't, like, you know, do a good job. Um, I think I think it was something. It's something that kind of helped him with uh, Little Giants, which is a '90s movie I grew up with. And uh, he plays like a foot. He plays like the, the little brother of a, of a major football star. But he plays like a little brother of a football star. And uh, he's like, and he challenges his football brother to be like a better football coach. And so it, it sort of plays against that typecast where it's like, oh, you know, he's he's a little dorky, he's nerdy, he's not going to do it. But he kicks his brother's ass in the football game at the end of the movie. So in instances like that. It works, but I love that even even Little Shop of Horrors, and it's another one. He plays sort of a dorky character, though he's got a bit of a dark side. Um, but uh, in in this, it was just so fun to see him play this like absolute like. Dick, <laughs> like, yes. like, hey, don't touch the suit, or like, hey, I, ha-, like, I was saying earlier, I went out, I don't want no skirt in this car. I'm paying you ten thousand dollars. I don't want to pay her nothing. <laughs> like, very misogynistic, this guy. <laughs> I, I, I,
0: but, but I love, I love when they're like talking to the one guy um, who's there. Is like, get, and <laughs> Cody's like, give him, give him the money. Otherwise, I'll give him <laughs> your
2: money.
1: <laughs> like, I'm not paying this creep. <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna do with my money. Or like, I love when uh, when they when they hijack the Sorrells' bus and yo, then they yo, get yo. stopped by the cops. And then Rick Ratiss is immediately like, "I'll take care of these guys."
0: <laughs> or or, or anyway, it's the bribe. He's like, "I'm glad to see there's still some integrity
1: in the force." <laughs> and, and he starts giving the money. The cops like, "Keep it coming. <laughs> Keep it coming." <laughs>
0: I I I, I just I I also love how insecure he is in the movie because obviously there's clearly still something between uh, Cody and Aim.
1: He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean they had a thing? What kind of thing? How how intense was this thing? (laughs) It's so funny. Like I don't know if that was the point, but it just makes it that much more entertaining because everyone's everyone's so fun in the movie. Honestly. Um, like, Tom, like, I feel like, like, like Michael Perret and, and Rick Moranis probably steal the whole movie for me. That's not to say that everyone else isn't great, but, but then
0: we're like Willem Dafoe,
1: Willem Dafoe it? as, and as like, this, like a pre green goblin, Willem Dafoe. But it's
0: funny cause I looked at his hair and I'm like, it looks like, like a sixties era Spider-Man villain haircut. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it kind of looks like he's wearing a helmet of a praying mantis on his head. <laughs> like an accentuated widow's peak, which, I don't know, that might have gotten him the job to play Max Reck. I don't know. But, um, and he wears like BDSM, <laughs> like latex overalls the whole time um
0: amy madigan is great as mccoy just want oh me, give her um she's you know, props. She, she
1: gets she gets as much like tough tough guy lines as anybody and she's like i love when we're when we're sort of first introduced to her in the bar with bill paxton as the bartender And she just, like, bangs his head on the bar. And then she looks at Tom Cody. She's like, what do you have? And he's like, I've always been a fan of tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I just love that Tom Cody openly supports thievery. (laughs) Like, when he first shows up, like, this is a nice car. Where'd you get it? I found it.
0: (laughs) Tom Cody is, is chaotic neutral. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes he is. Or or at the very least chaotic he might be chaotic good because at least he helps out oh, but it's still just like listen.
1: <laughs> he'll he'll do like I love that his whole plan is like, all right, you guys are gonna go save Ellen i'm gonna go blow shit up yes <laughs> so he just he just perches himself on top of a building with his rifle and just blows up all the bikers in this gang <laughs> like there's literally there's literally fire coming out of the streets yes it's just it's so fun uh
0: yeah eg daly's in this
1: and she's back without like the thing is eg daily i love her so much she's fantastic um the thing is she has no purpose in this movie (laughs) but it's great to see her yeah (laughs) like it's not even like she's there to be exploited or anything which is good or which you know there's especially in like a movie like this there's that aspect of it um but uh you're thankful that she isn't there to for that, but she's there to be just like a groupie to Ellen Aim. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really amount to much. It's it's like she came to set and you know, it's maybe a friend of Walter's and was like, Oh, this is cool and, he, and he's like, Oh, I love your outfit. This would be great for the movie. Do you wanna be in it? And she's like <laughs> you're filming it right now, like, Oh, you could play like I don't know, like like you could be Ellen's friend. Okay. <laughs> So she has a thing for rebels and loners, as we as we know.
0: Uh, yes, this is well documented. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a loner, Donnie. A rebel.
0: Um, no, but it, it's it's really great. And it's one of those movies like for me, like like a Flash Gordon um, or like when we talk about the first Tron, where it just feel it's just so cr- wild and like visually cool and a lot of fun that you're like, this feels like the best thing ever
1: like it like there's something about it that you're just watching it and you're like how is this not like like i was like even after the first time i watched it and then showing it with you again like which confirmed it to me that it was a movie that i just love there's just like how is this not a movie that's talked about more often you know yeah. mm-hmm. like it's it's strange that you don't hear about it all that much um because i didn't even hear about it till patrick Williams mentioned it in his video and, you know, I'm glad that Shout Factory was like, let's put this out on 4K. And it's a beautiful 4K.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, beautiful sound, especially, which you have for a movie like this, because there's so much music. And there's so many great songs. Um, the, I got to get the album, honestly, at some yeah. point. Mm. Um, But it's just it's just sad that you just, I don't, I just feel like, this I don't. I mean, even at the same time, I don't feel like I hear a lot about other Walter Hill movies. I don't hear a lot about Walter Hill. Period. I feel like I know.
0: Like he's definitely a very admired figure in circles. I like. I know. I think Walter Chaw wrote like a whole like big like book on the okay. films of Walt, Walter Hill. Um, obviously we said The Warriors,
1: Warriors, Forty Eight Hours, another Forty Eight Hours, which he directed. Um, he did a movie, I think this year, last year, a Western with Willem Dafoe and Christoph Waltz.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember hearing something about that.
1: Um, I haven't seen it. I should, but, um, like he's still, like he's still doing stuff. He's still, he's still working. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: um let me just check. Okay. Um, and it's also disappointing because this movie came out, it got mixed reviews and then mm-hmm. against it, it was like 14 and a half million dollars to make only took in $8 million. You know, that happens. Um, yeah. And I could also, like watching this, I could see why it would get mixed reviews. Because if you're just not on that movie, the movie's wavelength. With, yeah. <laughs> with certain things. Um, like, I, I could see somebody like looking at the Tom Cody character and just being like, what is what this? The f- what, what is why? This? What are we, what are we doing
1: here? And then, um, and then we come in we're like, it's cinema.
0: <laughs> it's like, it, Walter Hill is like uh Marty McFly. He's just like a, uh, yeah, your kids are gonna love it, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, I definitely come down on loving this movie. I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, quite a bit. You know, oh, very good. It, it's most of it's on Spotify. I think one or two songs are, are not available, probably licensing. You know, different. That things. makes sense. Um, but hopefully, maybe hopefully somebody could put it out like on like a new CD or something. That'd be really, really. Cool. What was it? Speaking of which, I was watching another. Movie with Willem Dafoe recently, to live and die in L.A., name mm. of the late great William Friedkin, um, and that had a fantastic, fantastic sound uh, by Wang, Wang Chung, um, great soundtrack there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is just a lot of fun. It's just a great way to spend ninety minutes. And... It's a,
1: it's a great way to spend ninety minutes. And I was saying this, I was saying this to Joey when we were watching it. It felt like. Because like obviously right now is in pop culture, or maybe not so much now, as it was maybe like a little a couple of years earlier. But, but, but for a while, for a while, for a very long while, this seems like pop culture was so oversaturated by eighties nostalgia. You know whether because like everyone because like there was always that talk like oh you know the best the best movies were in the eighties I love the eighties, blah 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 yada yada yada. It's like looking at the eighties through rose colored glasses, that sort of thing, and. You know, when you watch stuff that evokes the 80s, every now and then you get something good. But a lot of the times it just feels like, okay, especially now, it's like, okay, there's, there's that. That's cool, I guess. Um, that's not to say that, you know, movies that evoke that, that era aren't great, you know, or modern movies, I mean. But um, it's just, it's so, like, I guess, not, I guess, overdone, I guess is what I'm looking for. Um, it just feels like you know everyone's trying to ride like the Stranger's thing, the Stranger Things you know roller coaster a little bit, right? Which is ending soon. So so maybe maybe that means the end of the '80s nostalgia, but I doubt it. I
0: uh, yeah. Hmm.
1: But uh, <laughs> but um, when I watch this movie, it feels like the best of an actual '80s movie in a way. Like it's like it's got. Incredible music, incredible cinematography. It's that sort of post uh, wave of, of stuff following, like when uh, Coppola and Scorsese and all these guys came into the scene and they kind of revitalized what people saw as cinema. And so now a lot of these other movies are coming Literally out. With Ho- these different like
0: Hollywood, yes, just, you know, um, yes, yeah.
1: And just how everything had changed. And so, like when you look at those movies from the eighties, it has that. The very a very specific vibe. Um, and I feel like this movie has that in, in spades because you're just watching it and you're just having such a great time. Now, I'm not immediately going, oh, I want this kind of movie now. I'm thinking, why can't movies be like this? But then there, that's sort of a wrong mindset because then you're like, oh, well, that means 80s nostalgia. And it's like, no, it's just like, you want something that's just fun and exciting and original and, You know, bombastic, and you know maybe as evocative of like older stuff because there's a lot of like noir and western vibes in this. Um, I
0: mean, it it is it is cool when you get like I mean because you think about too you you were talking about like that like the Scorsese's and the Coppolas and such. Like when you look at that era, is like some of the biggest hits of that time were sort of like reworked versions of like you know older genre things mm-hmm. you know obviously the godfather being a, like a gangster film you know yes reworked yeah. gangster film uh jaws is kind of like what if creature in the black lagoon was a hitchcock movie yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, <laughs> star wars like you know star wars um <laughs> star wars you know uh but there's so there's so many different like things where it's just like it's reworked version because again that generation was so influenced by you know older films, previous stuff, yeah. Previous stuff, and there's nothing wrong with mixing and matching. But again, you know, you want to get something like kind of fun out of it. You know, it's like when you go to a like a free like a soda freestyle machine. You want to get like a fun combo. Some, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not norm- you, I'm not that kind of person, but
1: you 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 want to get something that isn't just at the same time too. You don't you want you don't want something that is just like how it was. Yeah, because because exactly. we've we've moved so far in advance to go back to the Batman analogy. This is there's a lot of Batman in this. Um, <laughs> I'm aware of it too, folks. Don't don't worry. Um, so I look at like the older Batman movies and there before he became like a big screen character, and there's clearly a progression on how they decide to adapt the character. But then, you know, I look at something like, say, the Ben Affleck version, it felt like somewhat of a, r- a regression, like, oh, you know, I'm going to do something like how the 90s did it, versus like, you know, you look at the Nolan films, and they're sort of progressing further away from from what they were doing there. Then I watch something like The Batman, and that feels like the best of both worlds in a way. It's like, oh, let's take what was great about those original adaptations, but let's also modernize it and and have new context and... and and make it a very today, contextually, s- sort of Batman. So it feels like a natural progression of, like, let's learn from what these films were doing while also taking a new approach. So, and I mean, you could probably have millions of other examples for in-franchise sort of stuff. But it's all opinion-related, too, but... Um, yeah. At the end of the day, like, that's just where my brain goes, but, <laughs> um, but that's what it feels like to me. It's like, instead of, mm. is, instead of just doing what worked, we're going to do what worked and then some. Yeah. And, and make it very today. So I guess the point is like this, this movie Streets of Fire feels like the best example of what you could do in, in the eighties while also w- wanting to be something similar, but with like a modern feeling to it, I guess. Hmm. So it's just, it was just such a, like a surprise sort of movie to watch too. Like I, like I was not expecting to like fall in love. Yeah. Cause I'm just sitting there and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this is so crazy.
0: <laughs> it's so great when like a blind buy turns out to be like an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, cause so often, like obviously cause we bu- collect a lot of discs and so many of these discs they're we love them, but they're also so expensive too. And then it's oh, yeah. great when they're like, Amazing, amazing movies, um, and I'm glad and Joey liked it. Yes, uh, I, I, I really, really love this one. We're going to take a brief intermission now. Uh, mm-hmm. When we come back, we're going to be more hard-boiled than a dozen hard-boiled eggs.
1: So
2: hard-boiled. This city's afraid of me. I've seen it <laughs> <in> your face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say stay tuned I'm not Batman <laughs> Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we lit the streets on fire with Streets of Fire.
2: This street is on fire. Ah!
1: <coughs> There's the, the rest of the E and that. Never mind. Um, so, <laughs> so now, um, so uh, Joey was mentioning this in the first half, um, where this, this episode has sort of changed quite a bit so like the the this whole i mean both versions of this or maybe even a couple of versions of this were all suggested by me and uh initially i wanted to the the pairing of this to be this movie we're talking about now and dick tracy because both are based on these sort of like comic books, and one feels like a very 90s interpretation of a comic book. The other one's a very classic style version of a comic book, but they're both visually stunning and really sort of evoke this specific visual style that feels like it honors the comic books more than most comic book adaptations these days. And I was genuinely excited to talk about it, but then uh, some news had come out about, uh, the director and star of the original film that was very unsavory. And so I was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yep.
0: It was one of those crazy things where I think if I'm not mistaken on that initial notepad, where we were jotting down ideas, Dick Tracy and sin city were like among like the first things we knew we wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, Though, I will say, if you can find it online, watch the Dick Tracy TCM <laughs> It Because it is so it is a wild, like, half hour. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my dog's barking, I'm sorry. Um, so based on that somewhat unsavory news we heard, if you want to know what happened, just look it up. Um, but, uh, It became less desirable to want to talk about Sin City with Dick Tracy. And I forget if I had an initial, like, change before this. Do you remember if I picked something before Streets of Fire? Because I know I did. I just can't remember what it was.
0: I don't remember it off the top of my head if there was one. Okay. Um, Because I feel like we were, like, once we found out the news, it felt like we put Sin City to, like, okay, we know we want to talk about this. Mm Mm-hmm. But we got to find what we want to talk about.
1: Like, I because I, I, I it could be a quote unquote Mandela effect, but um, I do remember having a different idea, and then messaging Joey and just be like, "Wait, I have a better idea." And um, I'll probably you know I I feels like it's it's so close to to me actually figuring out what it is, but you know if I don't, I don't. Um, but after I watched Treats of Fire, I was like, we have to pair it with this. Um, but now that we've gotten all that taken care of, um, it is time to talk about this movie after all this time. This was a, a movie that's been on the list for a while. Um, one of those movies that, uh, when it came out, became a hit, uh, especially for, like I feel like, people... Uh, living in their college dorm rooms, and you probably see it there in their collections right next to like Fight club
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and American psycho uh
1: just right next to each other um so it definitely has that sort of quote unquote film broish sort of sort of lineage, but um we're big fans of Robert Rodriguez on the show. we've talked about him quite a few times now and so it's exciting to to visit a couple of things that he's done, and if you, I mean if you couldn't guess, we're talking about Sin City. Uh, by the way, we've said it a couple times now. Um, but <laughs> if you want if you want us to be more dramatic about it, our next feature is Sin
0: City. <laughs> I got a bum ticker. <laughs> Sin City. <laughs> but, but...
1: It doesn't <laughs> matter what you do, Richard. Pa- part, of, you part of... Re- record the episode anyway. Part of me felt like when you were saying Sin City, you had to poop.
0: But Sin City is also one of those movies, I feel like, where if you are, like, a teenager and you watch this movie, this feels like the best movie. Yes. If you're a teenage boy, I should if you're say. Te-
1: like, if you're a teenage boy, you're like, this might be a, 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 an awakening for many aspects of you.
0: Yes. Because I remember a friend of mine had this on DVD, and that's uh, that's where I first watched it. Was on DVD because they were obsessed; they were big in the comics. Um, I remember like they were they slept over, and we watched this really late. It was definitely one of those movies. where I'm like, I
1: don't know if I should be watching this.
0: <laughs> this is like,
1: <laughs> am I old enough? Is this okay? Is this okay? Oh my god!
0: But you know, and uh, I hadn't seen it in quite a while Mm -hmm. so i was glad to revisit it for the
1: show it was this was a movie i saw in theaters with i think my dad It's 2005 i always thought it was 2007 but it was 2005 um and uh i
0: I would have believed you if i if i didn't have the um the imdb page up
1: (laughs) well close it and then i'll say it okay 2007 Came out in 2007. Oh, Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Wait a
0: darn minute! What? Here, I moved my hand away, and it said two thousand five. That's
1: bullshit. <laughs> listen, listen up, IMDb, me, you shithead. <laughs>
0: yeah, give me the right year, or I'll take the right ear from you.
1: <laughs> I'll take your weapons away, both of them. Oh, ah. Boy.
0: <laughs> um. But you saw this in theaters with your dad. I saw
1: this in theaters with my dad, I believe. Um, I remember just seeing trailers for it and thinking, oh, this looks so cool. Um, And uh, I've seen it many times. I even watched the extended version, which is like the the short stories just in full, because they had to like condense them down for the movie to make it like the anthology or whatever. Um, And this was also the movie that introduced many people or, or excuse me reintroduced many people to frank miller who in the 80s and 90s and even you know to by today like he was one of those names in the world of comics that that changed a lot you know like he he did uh when he initially came on the scene he did daredevil uh for marvel he did batman for dc both of those changed everything You know, like you watch the Netflix Daredevil show and a lot of that was influenced by uh, Frank Miller's work um, or uh, obviously Zack Snyder's uh, BVS or, you know, I mean, really any Batman Begins is very inspired by Frank Miller. Um, And even even outside of like some of these other movies, like there was just straight adaptations of his stuff following this, like there was, you know, 300, which became a big thing. And then, oddly enough, Sin City and 300 years later got sequels, like, well, after people stopped caring or thought they were uh, misogynistic or xenophobic or you know what have you which there's a lot of aspects of them that are they, they um, did
0: not strike while the iron was hot basically no. what we're trying to say here. they did
1: not but both of the, but both of them starred ava green so there's that <laughs> but also
0: these movies should have came out in what year 2007 yeah
1: <laughs>
0: well although 300 was 2007 i'm pretty sure so so in any case so
1: three maybe that's you know maybe that's where the confusion comes in because i'm like wait a minute probably wait a minute
0: but like point being like frank miller like i think about like watchmen as much as I quote, it. Watch Watchmen and like The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. As somebody who's a normie with comics, but those are like two extremely significant, like the, stories.
1: Those many cite as the comics that change comics from being just like kid stuff to being like adult stuff or telling more. Like one of the one of the positives about that era was that it changed the way people viewed comic books like to this day Watchmen you could find in the graphic novel section or if you just like go into a regular bookstore that doesn't have a graphic novel section Watchmen will still be on the shelf because it's regarded in that same line as like a regular book which is weird that comics and regular books should be differentiated but whatever um outside of just the style in which the story is told that's the only difference um outside of that you can engage with it as well as the way you can with a book Um, but it changed the perspective for a lot of people, but I feel like in some unfortunate way, it also took, like, as time went on, especially in the nineties with comics like Sin City, where it got even harder and like a lot of the nuance was taken out and then it just got edgier. Um, because again, we always learn wrong lessons from things. Um, it, it literally just made like comics for like the sort of older crowd that was already into them. So like, I mean, I could like, there's probably, there's probably someone that could dispute that. And I I welcome it because I mean, I don't, I've only, I learned about this a long time ago and I haven't refreshed myself, but it definitely felt like, especially in a modern context, it changed the way people started making comics and they just almost specifically aimed it towards that older generation. And so now it just kind of felt like kids were like left by the wayside, unfortunately. Whereas now I think there's some creators noticing that and they're fixing it. But
0: I think that's, it's, it's, it's fine. When, Cause I remember again, Patrick Wilms did like a video about like R rated superhero adaptations. Yeah. Speaking of Patrick and the Williams. boys, the boys, he brings it is a great one because that's a story that's already an R rated, th- like an R rated thing. Yes. You're not confused. Like think about this, the Zack Snyder justice league, which is a movie we like. Yes. Is an R-rated version
1: featuring Superman, which is so strange. Which
0: uh, and and listen, Superman is a character you can find on children's lunch boxes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So like, like I don't mind if like, because again, we have so many like, like you have Omni Man and you have obviously Homelander. Not saying they're all exact one to one. Super like these like
1: evil Superman counterparts. Yeah.
0: Evil Superman, I don't mind that, but it's just like, I just feel like there's so many like, oh, injustice. Oh, Superman's bad. But point but I feel like Sin City is is one of those stories where it's like, I think it's fine that it's aimed at an older audience. Yeah, You know, because this isn't like Bruce Willis is not playing a character who's on a children's cereal box.
1: But but funny but funny enough like in the 80s and the 90s and and on it this sin city in many ways is sort of the pinnacle of what tonally speaking comic books became like like it's funny like you look at streets of fire and that was very much inspired by comics but um, Walter Hill is probably looking at the kind of stuff that was coming out in the 80s and um, and how they were getting darker and before i think it came when did streets of fire come out specifically 84, 84. 84. so that might have been a little bit before watchmen and because i think i think
0: like Return, dark knight returns watch was like 85 86 yeah i want to say let me just let me just so it like real quick just
1: to... so it might have been before like the real like pinnacle of the change happened
0: yeah uh, Dark Knight Returns is 1986, uh, four issue miniseries and mm-hmm. Watchmen. Watchmen was, uh, 86 to 87.
1: When did, here's another weird question. When did the Heavy Metal magazine start?
0: I'm going to Google that right now. Sorry, folks. Yeah.
1: I, again, I haven't refreshed myself on a lot of comic book history, so that's First
0: why. I... issue date for Heavy Metal, not to interrupt you, was April 1977
1: alright so heavy and heavy metal is very influential in the comic book world because that was where creators could go and really change things up and really tell kind of stories that they've wanted to tell and also it's worth noting as well uh, comics even even today in certain respects is very male driven and so a lot of the stories are very male perspectives so unfortunately you get a lot of these bullshit comics gate guys that are like comics need to be this they, ne- they can't be that and it's like shut up but, <laughs> just stop talking. Um, uh, but, there's, what's his name? Ethan, whatever. I don't fucking care, but he's a piece of shit. Anyway. Who cares um, <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to remember his the, the full name. He's got three of them. Screw that guy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, no, it's like, these were, not to immediately just say, like, bad influence on these guys. Because there was, th- these comics were definitely, like, influential, but they were also part of that vibe of like let's change the tone of comics to sort of match this audience that we know we're getting versus like who we're trying to get which is a younger younger audience um and uh something like streets of fire very influenced by comics is probably looking at just the comics they were getting of the day like maybe heavy metal which is a little bit more like science fictiony um fantasy or like uh you know some of the stuff from like the early 80s that we're like, oh, this makes sense. You know, this is how comics are now. So we're gonna influ- We're gonna be influenced by that um, stylistically and visually and tonally, even. Um, and then you look at something like Sin City, and it's it's like the the epitome of of tonally what '90s comics became like these very dark, like almost too dark at times things, um, but. You're, you're interested and you're compelled by him because Frank Miller's art style is so unique and distinctive you know mm. like even even when you're looking at his earlier work because he because there's some books he didn't draw that that became almost more iconic but like like Batman Year One or I think one I think the Daredevil comic that he drew that he did with the same artist
0: Year One's another book that I own, actually, mm-hmm. in my it's, limited graphic novel collection. It's,
1: it's, it's, and it's a fantastic book, and you understand why so many people both, I mean, Joel Schumacher, before, you know, the, the studio wanted it to make it more lighthearted, wanted to make Batman Forever, essentially, like, a Year One's type, type, type vibe. Yeah. Similar to, I'm sure, what he was trying to evoke with Flatliners, like, that visual style. Um, Not that he was trying to evoke Batman Year One, but that one, I'm just saying, like, that style for that. But anyway, um, so, uh, Frank Miller, like he had gone up from these two, from these two books, like working on Daredevil, working on, uh, Batman. And then that's when he started doing his original stuff like 300, which obviously got a film adaptation, which became very iconic and, um, problematic and, and beloved and hated and all that stuff. And also kickstarted Zack Snyder's career. (laughs) In many respects, um, uh, this movie was like. I think Robert Rodriguez's whole shtick was that he didn't want to just do an adaptation. He wanted to just put the comic on the big screen. So the comic was used as storyboards. The comic was the script. He didn't take a writing credit. Frank Miller is a co-director of the film, and. So it's it's it sort of started this whole copy and paste thing, which Snyder I think sort of emulated with Watchmen and 300. Um, and uh, it's for its time, it's it's kind of revolutionary and it's kind of crazy, but it's also like, you know, there's a lot to talk about with that aspect. But yeah, you know, we'll get into that.
0: I mean, I would look at this movie, and there are se- there are several instances where my mind is blown that they were able to do this in 2005. Right. Like I think, as far as like a directing job, this is not my favorite Rodriguez movie. It's not mine either. I, like, I, no, I'm a big I'm, I love Desperado. I'm a big Spy Kids 3D fan.
1: Why you got to say that quietly? Say it loud and proud!
0: Spy Kids 3D, no! Game over
2: <laughs>
0: masterpiece. Um, speaking, speaking that, I'm um, like, if if Elijah would have had the moves that his character had, <laughs> he, he would have lived. <laughs> he would have lived. Movie would have been very short. Anyway, he would have um, been the guy. But this one feels like his greatest, like directing job, in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's giving credit to Frank Miller too. But like, it just it, it just visually this thing is insane on, in in so many areas. Like it it does feel not to no no, uh, no, no yeah. let you Finish in a second. Yeah. It is like it feels like the movie that's dripping in like ink. It yeah, looks like it looks like a many inch shots where I'm just like this looks like a draw like a like a hyper stylized drawing. Yeah, and the like wild, but
1: like what what's what i found is like when i was watching it last night when i got home from work the thing i kept thinking about was how a lot of superhero movies are almost made verbatim the same way but yet for some reason like i mean yeah they got blue screens they got volumes they got all these kind of modern technology but i think the major difference between sin city and the way they do it now is that a lot of the superhero movies now that rely so that again rely so much on the blue screen, the the tennis ball with an X on it, is that they rely on it. It's like a crutch. And so, like, you look at a superhero's costume and you can't help but think, is that real? Whereas you watch this and, yeah, it's obviously f- fake scenery, but it adds to the whole thing. And there's also, like, practical effects. There's makeup. There's, there's blood. But it's also edited and, and, and shot and and they use different types of colors and different things to evoke this very specific style. And I mean, they even have like real set pieces and real things here and there to, to really bring it to really all bring it together. And again, it's like, it's something it's it's so funny to think about like how so many movies like make their movies almost like I think of Alice in Wonderland even, and nothing about that movie feels real. Yeah. And it feels very uncomfortable to watch cuz it's is that like a weird uncanny valley like this is supposed to be like there's a scene when the mad hatter's like going through a forest and he's just whacking branches and it's like it almost feels like they could have done a little bit more or actually put real fucking branches to to actually make you believe that they're there but you you don't. Whereas this like I believe everything I'm seeing even if it is clearly digitally made. Yes, and it all it, it all is meant to you know be this hyper stylized like nothing's meant to be real, and that's not to say everything in Alice in Wonderland is meant to be real, but you're meant to believe it more, and it add, and there's like a realism to it that is supposed to like make it seem like a lived in place, but because it's so green screened, you can't. Yeah. So when you look at something like this, again, it, it's another it's, it feels like another example of oh Hollywood learned the wrong way. Yeah, and. So that's why I feel like I watch this movie and I still appreciate it, even though it's, strangely enough, made the same way as a lot of modern blockbusters.
0: I, I'm also, like, blown away by the fact that this movie cost $40 million to make. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I mean, that is just, I mean, not, obviously not everything is age well, but thinking about all the all the work, all the actors that are in this movie. They got,
1: too. They got some top top stars, man.
0: I mean, like Bruce Will- Bruce Willis is in this. Jessica Alba, um, Rosario
1: Dawson, Benicio del Toro, Brittany Murphy. May she rest in peace.
0: Yes, of course, absolutely. And she's
1: so great. Whenever she shows up, she she knows she knows the assignment. She does it well.
0: Um, like the, it's it's kind of I'm like forty million, and this movie did well mm-hmm. too. Th- this like people might describe it as a cult cl- classic because, like, you know, the sequel didn't do well and it's, like, based on this sort of thing, but, like... And especially
1: because, like, Frank Millerishness has sort of faded out, especially, I don't know if you remember this, but when uh, Occupy Wall Street was happening, he wrote that piece that was, like... Why are why are they worried about this when we have to worry about Al Qaeda? And it's like, calm down, Frank. <laughs> but, but
0: like this is one of those like one of those. But it did very well for itself. I mean, it did like on a budget of forty million dollars, made one hundred fifty eight, almost one hundred fifty nine million worldwide, which is a nice return on investment for a movie. That yeah, this was almost twenty years ago, so forty million dollars is worth a lot more than it is today. But mm-hmm. even so, there were still like hundred million dollar movies back in two thousand five. 2007. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, like, uh, like, there's so many instances where it, it's just insane. Uh, the only things that really, one of the things that didn't work for me were like the car, anything like involving like the car chase. Some of the car chases looked mm-hmm. very just like, I, I I was taken out by some of that stuff. Um, like
1: when when you saw, when you saw the car or when they were in the car
0: when they were drive like driving the car like oh, okay. there's like you know overhead shot like when like Clive Ow- like a lot of like the Clive Owen stuff I think that was like the weakest part of the movie for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's in a, in a shared opinion. Yeah, I, I just was not like because like I I'm like getting into the movie like it's obviously there's like an anthology thing but it all takes place in the same.
1: It's 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 called Basin City, but. Uh... The, the the B A are like taken out and nicknamed Sin City because yeah listen you know that first city from Streets of Fire we're talking about shitty places oh boy <laughs> this is a shitty place to live
0: it's not good not good we don't want to raise your kids here
1: um if you if you if you walk down an alley in Sin City get the fuck out <laughs>
0: but like going back like I was thinking about like like the the Mickey Rourke stuff. The, like the, the, hard, the Hard
1: Goodbye is what that one's called. Okay. Yeah.
0: Like, that one, that was, like, the, by far the strongest thing in the whole movie.
1: And that, I mean, that also, I keep cutting you off, I'm sorry, but, like, um, that is what helped revitalize Mickey Rourke's career. Like, he had somewhat of a comeback from that. Like, he had that, plus the wrestler, like, stratosphere. And then he had a shitty experience yeah. on Iron Man 2.
0: <laughs> but... Like, like, that stuff is, so, like, visually that stuff is so strong. I think about one of the scenes where he's got, like, a bunch of bandages on him, mm-hmm. but they're, like, so white. They're, like, glowing. It look, yeah. They're glowing, and, it, like, as if you're looking at, like, an actual, like, comic book panel. Um And the makeup on on, on Mickey Rourke, the prosthet is insane. His mug. Like, he really, <laughs> his mug looks like, like, and there's sometimes, too, like, I think about, like, the uh, the Rocketeer where like there's like one of like the, the hired help like hired guys and he's got that makeup style which makes him look like Rondo Hotton a, a bit and yeah. it doesn't quite work. And then this he looks like it looks belie- it looks really believable. Yeah. Uh, and it works for that for the universe. Um like and, and and it's
1: his things- performance too, I gotta mention. Like like he is Mickey, so good. Mickey Rourke, like we talk about like you know, in just random conversation, people talk about um Actors that were just born to play certain roles, like I hear, like sometimes Hugh Jackman for Wolverine. Though there's obviously the discrepancy of like Wolverine's shorter and he's Canadian, and Hugh Jackman's tall and handsome and and Australian, but he's but he's played that role forever, and so we and then uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, we we talk about a lot is like a sort of perfect one to one. Um, Mickey Rourke as Marv, like it's so. Like how 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 it no one else could play it, no. Like no one else, like like no one else could have played that role and and made it work, especially because this like Marv as a character is so like ugly in some ways, but also kind of beautiful in so many ways. Yeah. Like any other, it almost feels like any other actor attempting to do that would have just made the character either come off too unlikable or too like one one or the other but mickey rourke has like such a perfect you know approach and almost fits it too good you're like this is just this is iconic
0: it's so and but it happens so early in the movie too and it's just like okay uh, and he shows
1: up like one other time in in the like the secondary story like or in the 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 story with bruce willis yes that yellow bastard as it's called
0: but speaking of Bruce Willis I miss seeing Bruce Willis in movies um you know yeah I hope
1: he's I hope he's doing well on that note
0: yeah it's but like I was reminded I'm like Bruce Willis isn't so good so good it was so good in things this
1: is his this this is his third time on our show isn't it cuz cause, uh, cause die hard grindhouse um, this
0: grindhouse this as far as I can remember yeah that would make sense um like I was also I was rewatching was a Moonrise Kingdom mm-hmm. recently and he's fa- he's fantastic in that. He was never in another Wes Anderson movie after that, but he was is some of those performances in Wes Anderson movies they're come like one and done. Like Gene Hackman in Royal Tenenbaums is so perfect in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then like um Bruce Willis Bruce Willis in, in in Moonrise Kingdom is so great. And he's so great here. He's per- this is like perfect right up his alley. I also love uh, Michael Madsen as his, <laughs> as his corrupt uh, partner, uh, hell of a way
1: to end a partnership. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, he was like he was just born to play like play that kind of character. <laughs> Damn it,
1: Hardigan! You gotta stop doing this. I'm warning you. Let go of my coat, Bob.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, and then, um, what's what's the name of the actor that plays the yellow bastard? Cause he's, cool. cause that's a despicable character, but I'll, I'll give props to that guy cause he does a really good job.
0: Let's see. Um, Nick, he's cause he, he's, uh, Ethan Rourke, like before he's the yellow bat. So yeah. that's, uh, uh, um, Nick Stahl.
1: Nick Stahl. That's right. Um, Nick Stahl genuinely like unsettling performance. Yes. Uh, you piece of shit cop. <laughs> I like the way He said that yeah um but uh michael madsen's great um uh bruce willis is great as Hardigan. so like there's we're, t- we're talking about like this is sort of like an anthology thing um we have i think four stories from the from the sin city graphic novel series told there's the customer is always right which is bookended with josh hartnett um there's the hard goodbye with uh, mickey rourke as marv um, there's the big fat kill, which is Clive Owen's part where he plays Dwight uh, McCarthy, and then there's uh, the one we we're one we're talking about now, which is that yellow bastard hmm. um, with uh, uh, Bruce Willis as Hardigan, and the each of these stories is so like insane, like as far as like the material that we're dealing with, like each each of these like like a woman's getting slapped someone's getting their head crushed in the most violent way there's like little moments of comedy here and there like like when like when marv's dragging that dude's face on the road <laughs> he's like i don't know about you but i'm having a ball <laughs> or um i liked the one bit in big fat kill where uh the dude gets an arrow shot through him and he's like hey <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should I go to the doctor or something? <laughs> and then he gets shot through the head and he's just like <laughs> not again um I forgot Michael Clark Duncan's in this movie too on yes, that note just a random thought he's great um and uh the like each of these stories like just shows just how messed up this city is because like all three of our heroes like are either claiming to be like serial killers or become serial killers <laughs> like, like I, there's like a brief moment where Dwight, Clive Owen's character's driving and he's like I'm I'm speeding That's a, ter- that's a good way to get noticed and if you're someone like me who's like a serial killer on the rise <laughs> or something the last thing you want to be is get noticed I'm like Jesus Christ yeah like no like it's almost hard to like like find like a like an altruistic character necessarily like probably hardigans the closest um as far as these characters are concerned but even then there's like some some sketchiness yes uh but so w- you would say that the hard goodbye the marv part is probably your favorite of the three or four i, think I guess easily. Easily, yeah. Easily, I think. Like, I do like the mine too. I like yeah. Bruce
0: Willis because, um, and it's also one of those things too because I hadn't seen the movie in such a long time. It was one of those things people kept talking about Mickey Rourke mm-hmm. over and like from what I'd seen, he was so good uh, and visually that it's so great. Um, you know, with Goldie and just like all the like it, Goldie. it, and it, and it, and it was just like like Clive Owen's thing. I'd love Clive Owen, but like Clive Owen's thing, I was like, okay.
1: I will say Clive Owen's like English accent with his like like clive owen always sounds like he has peanut butter in his mouth (laughs) that's not a knock like i like his voice a lot but it's just like he he sounds like that so when he does his narration i'm like (laughs) you want to get that out (laughs) it's it's mean I, i i don't mean it like that but um uh, I, I think about that all the time, and now, and now because of the sequel, I think about how Josh Brolin character, Josh Brolin's character in the sequel is meant to be Clive Owen's character, and then at the end of the movie, he they try to make him look like Clive Owen. <laughs> it's so funny, You're like <laughs> that's what? So weird, You're like why? Also, fun fact: I think we got we got to bring this up. Um, there's one scene in the Clive Owen section that's actually directed by Quentin Tarantino oh yeah there's um it's the scene when he's in the car with uh benicio del toro's dead body um jackie boy (laughs) Uh, which on that note i think this is another example of like altruistic characters that are actually shitty in sin city um like he uh benicio del toro plays jack rafferty who's a goddamn hero cop but like when we meet him, he's an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, You're like, what? It's just, it's another one of those examples. But, um, but that scene specifically was directed by Tarantino and I never would have thought about it, but now every time I see it, I can't help but think about that.
0: I can, I can see that. Uh, Benicio de Toro, if it wasn't for his voice, I don't know if I would have recognized him.
1: Yeah. Cause he's got, he's got distinctive prosthetics on him. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, it was funny because, like, I, that was one of the first movies I ever saw him in or, like, immediately think about him with. Then I see him in other things. I'm like, that's not Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> that's not what he looks like. I watched right. Sicario and I'm like, w- what's going on here? Did he get work done? Wait <laughs> This doesn't feel right. I w- I watched The Wolfman and I'm like, no, nah, I don't see it. <laughs> that's not Benicio. What happened? <laughs> Where's his big nose and his big chin?
0: It's like when you watch uh, *Phantom of the Opera*, then you watch another like Lon Chaney movie. That's not that's not Lon <laughs> Chaney. This is bullshit.
1: <laughs> what the hell is this? I don't Why believe. Why does
0: he look like a Marine? <laughs> Why does I he call nonsense on this? <laughs> Where's his teeth
1: that are like? <sighs> like I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Upward nose. <laughs> Where's the upward nose and his his slicked hair and his neck and his face mask flap? This is bullshit. The creepy
0: face mask slap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think, you know, I think visually this movie is just like, it's kind of amazing how well, you know, much of it holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the story goes, I can definitely see people like, you know, just looking at like going. <laughs> the,
1: if there's one word I would use for a lot of these stories is misogynistic. <laughs> i'll just i'll just throw it out there it's it's the truth um as again it is that's something i i want to talk about a little bit because there's this movie is cut and paste it's copy and paste yeah like this is not um robert rodriguez's interpretation it's not like how walter hill when he's doing streets of fire and it's the interpretation of these kinds of comics this is a one-to-one uh shot for shot remake which one part of it is admirable because um, clearly, Rodriguez is a fan of this series and wants to bring it to the screen like verbatim, and honor the the work that Frank Miller put into it. But at the same time, because le- that because those books came out in the nineties, and this is two thousand five. Not that two thousand five is necessarily a progressive era, but at the same time, you want to like maybe add some things to like address certain things that were maybe problematic from the comic but you don't you just again you're doing a one one for one you know verbatim retelling um and this outside of the whole like obvious aspect of oh well i've read this in the comic why should i need to see this it's like i've seen this already but now but now you're like you're just not even addressing any of the more like problematic aspects and just going straightforward like this is how it was in the comics so i'm doing it here and it it makes the only the only things that are different is not every female character is naked which is nice but at the same time like there's literally uh, there's literally whole shots in this movie that you're like come on come on like there's a shot where like uh clive owen standing with like the the women of old town which are all uh sex workers and uh uh, they have like a truce with the police officers that if the police come to Old Town, uh, they and they are not willing to pay for what the girls are offering, then they'll send them back, but they'll send them back alive. And so it's like and then the police get a cut of the money, but they allow the, the women to run the town however they want. And so they kill Jack Rafferty, who's a cop, and uh, they, they talk, like Clive Owen in his, in his voiceover narration is like the streets one red with blood, women's blood. And instead of cutting to like a shot, like panning to all the women, it's just a shot of Clive Owen from an upward angle. And then right in the foreground is a woman's bare butt. Yeah, male driven, um, <laughs> and, and. It, it, it permeates through each of the stories in many respects. So like, all these characters are motivated by the women in their lives, um, and none of them really feel like a major plot point or a character aspect. Um, you know, they're all killed or dead. All all of them hit the women they love. Like say like say for. Brittany Murphy's character, who's supposed to be, like, um, Dwight's girlfriend, he does hit Rosario Dawson, who's his other girlfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marv hits... Uh, well, he can't hit Goldie, because Goldie's dead, but he hits her twin sister, Wendy. Um, I can't remember if Hardigan hits Nancy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did.
0: That's the one that I don't... I don't remember. No. Don't... So
1: he probably didn't, so... But, but there is it, a it whole, is... like romance aspect <laughs>
0: yeah where it's like uh, this
1: 19 year old jessica alba incredibly b- incredibly beautiful is immediately attracted to an older guy you can't help but go frank miller is just really putting a fantasy aspect to this
0: which could be interesting as like okay she's like maybe in love with the idea of this guy yeah who who saved her and was like so like put himself could be. on the yeah. line you know but i don't think the movie does that much with it
1: no it's it's just that bruce Willis comes to it basically yeah like
0: like yeah. you could uh, you could show problematic things in a in a movie especially a movie like and, this you know and it's kind of like when people talk about like martin like when Martin Scorsese movies, like there's always like, oh, he's clearly endorsing. Like, no, he's not. No. Like, like when you when it's... you watch <laughs> I, the when you watch the Irishman, it is basically a Saturday morning special. Don't be in the mob because <laughs> you will be a sad old man by himself, whose
1: and his daughter will never acknowledge his existence. Or it's even it's even when you watch something like Good like like Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street. Like, there's no point watching either of those movies that you actually want to do either of those things that anyone's doing. It's like, <laughs> no. oh yeah, I'd love to go on Wall Street, make tons of money, and, and have sex with a lot of women, um, paid or otherwise, and it's like, no, nah, I don't want to do any of that. That looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel weird to be subjected to this a little bit, but yeah. um, but it's a cautionary tale. Whereas, yeah. it, whereas this, whereas it, it's all about how you're telling it. You know, and with this, it, does, it doesn't feel feel like that it it very much feels like oh the fantasy of being an older guy being pined up pined over by a 19 year old like a like a uh younger person I, I i was trying to find the right words that didn't sound uncomfortable yeah
0: there's there's a lot of like things like this is like it's almost like a daughter figure but also yeah a potential lo- lover you know it's you know, again, there's, there's a lot to to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely like the visual component is like the strongest. Mm-hmm. Is really is definitely the strongest element of this movie. Um, and but also,
1: and I, I do want to give props to the actors because they're all game. They're all they're all playing ball. They're all having a great time. They're clearly all these people love working with Robert Rodriguez. I feel like that was probably a big pull as well yeah. to get these because a lot of these people have worked with him before even.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that,
1: actually. You know, like Carla Gugino, who, again, is another one of those characters that feels sort of exploited a little bit, because the first time we see her, it's very gratuitous nudity. Nude. That, that doesn't need to be there, but, you know, hey. Um, uh, but she she has a great time, and I love her character. Um, mm. And uh, and even, like, some of the terminology is, like, edgy for no reason. <laughs> In a way, but again, it, it, a lot yep. of it, uh, even a lot, there's a lot of a lot of that too that that feels like of the tw- of the aughts in a way. So like, there's a bit when the the Gilmore Girl, I forget her name, um, what Alexis, what uh, Alexis uh, Bledel? Bledel?
0: uh Sorry, I have the <laughs> of fire thing pull up for
1: some reason.
0: Because uh, uh, it's Streets of Fire. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Bladel
1: uh, Alexis Bladel Alexis Bladel I just, I, I just think of her as the Gilmore Door. I'm sorry. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, like, there's that whole bit where she's like, why don't you try this, this place called the Alamo, not the Amigo, though. Don't get it confused, because the Amigo's, uh, an F-word joint. And it's like, I'm sure that was verbatim in the comic, but, again, I feel like that word was also just used a lot in the aughts as well.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah,
1: so, um... There's just, there's aspects of it that are quite problematic and not, and not addressed in the way that you would want it to, but, you know, that, that's just the world that they were adapting. Um, but the visual component, like, there's no question that this is a Frank Miller drawing come to life. And I feel like even today, that's something that is missing from a lot of modern comic book adaptations. You don't feel like these characters are ripped from the page anymore. No. Um, there's a few examples here and there like modern modern adaptations of comics or superheroes or anything like that but um, that's that's what I appreciated. I think the most watching this again was just that you know it wasn't a matter of like oh, they don't do it like this anymore. It's like they never did it like that really. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, it's
0: very like unique.
1: you know there's maybe a few example like Dick Tracy or some some other things that really tried to emulate the comic. But a lot of the times, you know, it's like, let's try to make this as realistic as possible, and sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And uh, you kind of miss when when they really evoke like like it, it just feels like a lot, not to you know, sound like a crotchy old man or anything, but it just feels like a lot of superhero or comic book related things take away what's fun about comics. In a lot of respects, like and then like every now and then you'll get like a Sam Raimi Spider Man or an Aquaman or something that evokes that, and you're like, oh, it's silly again, yay, right? And or like the difference between camp and comedy, you know what I mean?
2: Mm,
1: right. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice, like, because this movie definitely has some camp to it. There's no question, but it almost feels like camp made because they were adapting a comic to the big screen at times. But it, but it but it's, but it's still fun.
0: Yeah. But also, like, that noir component, very much that hard-boiled noir um, component to it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some some of the descriptions in this. <laughs> like, you're like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, there's one point Bruce Willis compared his composure to, like, someone with palsy or something. And you're like, oh, so... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you mm-hmm. backtrack what you just said? Um, but... No, it's just, it's insane, um, some of the stuff they say in this movie.
0: (laughs) I mean, but I also, on on a different note, I want to read this quote from Walter Hill that I found. Oh, um, please, please. Give me one sec, because it made me think of, like, this movie, because it would be your favorite movie as a teenager, Uh, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, so I'm going to find the source, but if it's not right, I'll delete it. But according to Hill, the film's origins came out of a desire for what he thought was a perfect film when he was a teenager and put in all of the things that he thought were great then, or, quote, great then, and which I still have great affection for. Custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon, trains in the night, high-speed pursuit, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, jokes in tough situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor, unquote. And I think both movies... Do have that?
1: That is a hundred percent. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like,
0: like listen, like um, you know, I I think I, I put Flash Gordon in that conversation too, where it's just like, oh my god, muscly guys, sexy ladies, you know, bright colors, queen, the queen soundtrack, you know, b- laser beams. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I want as a teenager. Yes,
1: yeah. Or, like, like, listen, some of the best, like, original comics were made because the creators just wanted to put everything they loved into it. Like, yep. that's that's how Sin City was made. Because... Was like a kitchen sink of, of these ideas. Exactly. Like, Frank Miller was like, oh, I love I love film noir. I love tough guys. I love uh, femme fatales. I love all this shit. I love, literally, pages of narration dialogue. So, I mean, why not? Or even, like, I think of Mike Mignola when he did Hellboy. He just, like, I want to draw monsters. So I'm going to make this this Hellboy thing. And that, that became a huge thing. And yeah. so, like, some like again, some of the best things are made solely from the perspective of, I just want to see all of this in, in one sitting. <laughs> and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, I mean, I imagine even George Lucas is like, I'm making Star Wars because it evokes everything that I love. In certain yeah. respects.
0: Um, I mean, because Star Wars, it's it's like, like the films of Akira Kurosawa, Flash Gordon um, serials, you know, so you got all these like different, different influences, you know, the hero's journey. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So like, like even, even, uh, you know, modern creators, like people still making stuff like they just, there's, there's just so many, like everybody has their taste and everyone has their vibes and they just want to throw it all on the page if they can. Yeah. And some people are, are skilled enough, talented enough, and patient enough to do such. And I commend all those people um, who are able to do that and make great things that we end up loving. Yeah. You know, like, I look at something like Streets of Fire, and in many respects, while there are even Streets of Fire, in, in in a way, there's some problematic aspects. Um, like, he does smack yeah. <laughs> uh, Diane he Lane does. at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, with that, 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 <laughs> that scene happened, I'm like, Sin City. <laughs> of course <laughs> we gotta talk about it. um uh but no like it has because i love rock and roll i love comic books one one thing i found so funny is that uh, apparently a, a film that was a huge inspiration on it was flash dance and it makes me want to watch flash dance <laughs> <laughs> like i've never seen it i know the the famous scene like the you know the the water coming down oh yes yeah i want to watch it now though i get that and footloose mixed up so i almost want to do like foot dance or 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 flash loose on the show at some point (laughs) (laughs) um no we're not talking about the flash because there's no the it's just flash loose um but (laughs) but no like it has a lot of stuff that i love um you know is it everything no but it has so much and i have such a fun time with it and sin city You know, this was a movie that, again, as a a younger person, I loved immensely. Like, I watch it now, and I'm like, you know, this is still very good. There's still aspects of it I appreciate and love, and I love the characters and the performances. But there's so much about it that also makes me a little uncomfortable. And I don't inherently blame anything. I just, like, that's just what Frank Miller wanted to write at the time. And, you know, you look at a lot of stuff he makes now, and it's still kind of there. And you're like, ooh. Um Like, I I even think about, it's not really related, but I think about when he did Dark Knight Returns and how he pissed off Superman fans because the way he portrayed Superman is like a government stooge to Ronald Reagan. And it's like, that's not Superman. And it's like, and then years later, he's like, oh, I hate Superman. (laughs) Like, oh, oh, that makes sense. Explains everything. (laughs) This makes so much sense. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, Um... but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's no question that this is Frank Miller's, like, I guess yeah. is my point. Like, there's, you you watch Sin City and you're like, yes. And, I mean, while neither of us have experienced Walter Hill in his entirety, there's, like, from what I've heard, it definitely feels like Walter Hill in a nutshell with this, especially from the Western insta- standpoint, because Tom Cody feels like, like a Clint Eastwood Western character, even the way he's dressed. Yeah. He was supposed to have a hat, too, at some point, but he, he didn't. I think Michael Pere was like, "Nah, I don't want a hat."
0: I'm like, "Yeah, I could see it, you know, not working." Um but yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad this was the pair, pairing that ultimately happened. Um for this episode, folks, neo-noir and and such that you like films of Walter Hill, that you like films of Robert Rodriguez, that you like uh
1: are you still a Frank Miller fan or have you enjoyed any of his work? Um uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's we're, gonna wrap it up. For, yeah. I was just saying we're like we're very like on edge. So yes,
0: <laughs> we're very hard boiled.
1: We're so hard boiled that you can make deviled eggs out of us.
0: We're so hard boiled that I have a DVD Criterion DVD copy of Hard Boiled.
1: He just uh, pulled that off the shelf, folks. Like yes. <laughs> he literally went. Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> you know, Shout, shout out to, to John like, Woo.
0: Shout out to John Woo, but also, like, listen, I hopefully, you know, we can make a killing. Oh, uh, another, another John Woo! A killer, uh, <laughs> excuse me, the killer.
1: Uh, another John Woo? I was like, wait, no, the killing is, is Kubrick.
2: It's <laughs> Kubrick. Uh,
1: not John Woo. And Chow yun Fat is Wu. not in the killing. <laughs>
0: no no no, no. Uh, uh, good movie though but uh, that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature check us
1: out next week have a good night everyone and stay hard boiled oh. they look up and shout save us and we whisper maybe in a second I have to poop <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
0: Yeah, sure. I'll be waiting for you as I do it. (laughs)